Welcome to Lateral Conversations. My name is Thomas Mark. This is a podcast about the evolution of consciousness, psyche and culture. I speak here with people who have something important to contribute to the development of spirit and society. My guests are therefore artists, philosophers, academics or activists, people not only with great ideas, but also the willingness to put them into the world. By doing so, I hope to contribute to the evolution by finding and exploring ideas and finally providing them to you. There's nothing more powerful, Victor Hugo once said, than an idea whose time has come. And if such a time for an idea has come, we can only find out by talking about them. My guest today is Mark Walsh. Mark Walsh is the founder of the Embodiment Conference. He has the Embodiment Podcast and just wrote a book called Embodiment, Moving Beyond Mindfulness. I will post a couple of links to his immense corpus of work. I reached him in Tel Aviv, uh, where he does or did some seminars and workshops. And this is a fairly short podcast from my point of view. I would have loved to talk um, a little bit more longer and more deeply um, about his ideas. But he has such a tight schedule. But I was very grateful that he did that. I hope you also will find it useful and will have fun with this episode of Lecture Conversations. Um, I think that's it. My name is Thomas Mark. I hope you have a beautiful day. So, Mark, thank you very much uh, for taking the time now um, for this podcast. I, I guess uh, you told me you are Tel Aviv now. What are you doing there? Yeah, I'm in Tel Aviv. Um, uh, well, a lot of things. I've got a lot of roots and, and connections here. I'm teaching embodied yoga principles uh, in about two hours. And I just had a fantastic bodywork session with a guy called Elan Lev, who's founded his own bodywork. Uh, last night I was doing Aikido, I've been, been overly fed by all my Jewish friends who treat me like family and give me far too much food. And then I'm going to go to Jerusalem for some inspiration and then into the desert for some more. And then lastly, a beach holiday. So there's a few things going on here. To the, to the desert for some inspiration. Exactly. I know it's old school, but I've, I've been coming to Israel since I was 15 years old. And um, I always find it when I want to reconnect to something, when I want to Uh, get guidance for the different uh, we're doing this big project called the embodiment conference and I, I just felt like I wanted some sort of um, fresh input fresh perspective right. and a little bit of, and also just getting the hell out of England in November you know so um, getting some sun so um, Israel is a kind of second home for me so I'm um, yeah I'm out here now catching up with old coach friends and yoga friends and Aikido friends which in some ways sort of starts to tell the story of what I'm interested in is right. um, all these different perspectives on the body basically. So but this embodiment conference is that also in Tel Aviv or when is that coming up? No so that's an international conference um, that's online we did the last one last year and 15,000 people turned up which was a surprise so 10 there's a lot 15, more work. Yeah wow. and next year we're planning on 150,000. Well wow. mm -hmm. um, we think it may be one of the largest if not the largest educational events in human history. Wow. Um, and we're going to have a thousand speakers speaking on different topics of embodiment. 
Um, so it's a fairly massive, and it's free for everyone. So it's a fairly massive undertaking. And, um, and so you're a co-organizer or are you somebody who participates or what, what is your role there? Uh, I came up with the idea. So I'm the, the founder. And then I wow. found an efficient German black belt Aikidoka woman to be in charge of the organizing. And um, Daniela is um, putting it all together. And then we have a volunteer team of about 200 people. Right. So um, that's a big thing. And yeah, it's a year away now. It's next October. So we're in the sort of run up for the, for the year. So that um, relates to a lot of the things I do. So we have people coming on who are dancers, who are meditators, who are trauma therapists, who are life coaches, who are, of course, yogis, martial artists, body workers. And, and you know, these areas combined could be said to uh, can be the constituents of the field of modern embodiment. So that it's a kind of cover of term for all these body-mind activities that are colliding, you know, somewhere like Tel Aviv. There's so much interesting stuff happening here. And right. Berlin, the same, you know, and the, the term of embodiment has got many meanings, but one is simply an umbrella term for all these different body-mind arts. I was, uh, I, I was about to ask it, but if, if you would um, refuse to talk about, um, like, like a, as an umbrella term, like what exactly is like embodiment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, talking to a German philosopher, I'm slightly scared that I might not be exact enough. Um, but um, one definition of embodiment is the subjective view of the body. So the body not as object, but um, as uh, the subject, the I of the body rather than the it of the body. Right. Um, so this is a you know, more abstract definition. Another definition is how we are. So literally the, uh, you know, the man, the ontology of being, the, the being of the body, uh, how we create ourselves moment to moment. And when I teach embodiment in business, I often teach it as a form of intelligence. Right. So, you know, they're not, they're not going to want the philosophical definition or the yoga definition. So I, I say it's, it's a form of intelligence with four parts. So self-awareness, so this is like mindfulness, uh, but also self-regulation, you know, so we're not just being mindful of the body. We're also changing it. We're also changing our state or over time through practice, changing our being. And then social awareness. So this is empathy, being aware of others. Um, and then uh, social influence. So this could be leadership, this could be humor, this could be sexuality, that we want to have some impact on others' bodies too. So, and then uh, those are the four sort of skill sets that could be called embodied intelligence. So, right. Uh, you know, how, how does it one, relate, uh, embodiment, how does well, it relate to be like um, being in the world? I mean, there's this term from Heidegger. Yeah. There's also a movie yeah. about this, like, because like when I look at masters, You know, masters, yeah. be it like an Aikido or so. And they yeah, have yeah. like a certain way of being in the world. And they are, they are, but they are also embodied, like even as a cook or as a flamenco player or whatever. And so they all have their specific way of being in the world with their body. Is it something that also would be part of that? Like, a yeah. I mean, for me, I don't want to talk Heidegger because I, I don't understand Heidegger at all. Um, though, I though my sense is that Heidegger's been influential on many of the people in this field um, as a sort of philosophical route to embodiment for those that are more cerebral than I am. I tend to be the pragmatic applied guy. But this sense of your being in the world, that makes intuitive sense to me as a definition of embodiment in the our practices change us. You know, before I came to Japanese martial arts, I had very little discipline. Right. And now I have quite a lot of discipline. And, you know, I was just saying to uh, my Aikido friend yesterday, I said, I really like flirting with Aikido girls because they have really good boundaries. Right. And there's a way in which they're like, 
they, they, they can kind of hold their edge, which makes it as a man like much safer for me. Right. And I, you know, I go, okay, and they know who they are and they've got that edge and they're, and they're robust. And I'm, I like that about women who do Aikido, you know, right. and men too. And that's a different way of being that's being built through yoga or through flamenco dance or through, uh, I don't know, uh, contact dance. And all these things are fantastic, but they build different ways of being. Um, one of the things I, I do is I teach students who come from all these different backgrounds. And I say, that's great. Like I was just, um, we sponsored a conscious dance conference, the Embodiment Conference sponsored like a smaller conference called the Conscious Dance Conference it ended yesterday. And there's a certain way of being that you find amongst people who do, you know, this free form ecstatic dance, fire rhythms, this kind of thing. Um, and it's got advantages and disadvantages. And so this is one of the things that we bring to awareness with students to say, well, what do you do now? And is that working for you in your life? And if not, is there something else maybe you could do either instead or in addition to or change your practice slightly? Um, so working with practice is the basis. Like, you know, a joke amongst all my students is I, I answer two questions and I'm running one of two answers. One is it depends because it always depends. And the other one is, is practice is the answer to most things. You know, right. how, how would I learn German? I would practice. How would I get good at tennis I would practice the same with any quality of being as we practice I mean and you talk about sorry just to finish we're all unconsciously embodied right and we all have a way of being that's unconsciously there that we've not exactly practiced but we've become habituated to and that's often cultural familial uh, trauma-based whatever and then if we want to come out of our cultural bodies our family bodies and our trauma bodies then we need to practice something deliberately Right. So you, you mentioned like a couple of things I would like to refer mm. to. First, first practice. Uh, and then you mentioned limitations, you know. Yes. And so, so you talked about this girl um, flirting with Aikido girls because they, have the, they, they know how to use the body. They have their, their limitations, the boundaries. And I, it's like something I also noticed, like especially not, not in the realm of embodiment, but more in the um, realm of, well, you know, conservative girls. You know, who have like a more conservative background, they still have some, some kind of sense of what is the right dating behavior. And so you right, have like yeah. something, you have, they have like clear boundaries, which you can use to instigate the dance. And that is something that with the postmodern girls, that has like completely deconstructed yeah. and that makes it somewhat, yeah. somewhat um, complicated. So, so what role <laughs> does, does boundaries actually have? Um, this to, is really nice. This is nice. I'm also aware, like, I'm feeling like, oh, this is risky ground. You know, we should be saying women, not girls, of course. And, um, you know, this is, this is the conservative and liberal side of embodiment. So if we want to look at embodiment, like, intricately to include uh, both of these sides of things. So the liberal side is, you know, you need to feel and express and be free, you know, like the conscious dance crowd, you know, jump up and down. You know, it's very Berlin, you know, it's this kind of vibe. And then, and then the conservative side is like the martial arts and a lot of traditional yoga, which is, no, 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 you have form, you have discipline, you don't just do what you feel like, there's a structure, there's lineage, there's tradition, and there's edge, and there can be a lot of respect in that. For example, um, you know, I treat my Aikido senseis and elders, male and female, and, you know, with a lot of respect in a different way than I would juniors. Um, and both of these sides are sides of embodiment. If you think about just an emotion, right? So you have an emotion. Well, the liberal side is express it, and that's useful. And the conservative side is, yeah, but, you know, don't be a fucking baby. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, don't be a toddler. Don't just scream and have a tantrum. You need to regulate yourself. Right. And both of those things, like expression and self-regulation, they're two skill sets. 
and you know different arts some of them like the martial arts build uh, regulation really well or edge really well you know like the well-boundaried woman that can be like no this isn't cool and then others but then it's openness like you know i have a lover who's a contact dancer and she's just really open and that's just such a beautiful wonderful i would dare say feminine quality um and you know she's really built that because culturally she's from a polish background and she didn't have that until she right. started dancing so she she came from a certain uh background of you know that sort of polish sort of hardness you'll see in eastern europe a lot and she learned to be open um and th- and this isn't about shoulds this is about just saying to people like look look at your culture look at your family look at your, your personal trauma and your history and then decide what you want to work with or else you're just going to deepen your neurosis Exactly. So that was something that I just was thinking about. So that, mm. that the interesting thing would be to be able to navigate both th- sides of the, exactly. of, of the coin. Exactly. To be like, like open and to have ecstatic dance ca- um, capacities, you know, and to go out of your way to be open and, and freely express yourself. But at the other time, time be, uh, to be able to adhere to the form you know, completely and, and be very concentrated about that. And so to, to yeah. live in that form of dance, like on the wave, when you, you're not falling to one of those things, but, but you can, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, the ability, so I say all I teach is awareness and choice. And or you could expand that to awareness, range and choice. So you have to know what you're doing, just Feldenkrais. You have to know something you're doing to do something different. But if you don't have any possibilities, any range and you're screwed, so like i don't know i think of um, my colleague christina she's a a german uh, a keto black belt friend of mine and you know she turned up years ago and she was strong and she was firm and she was boundaried you know kick-ass german woman and then it was like yeah but what about the softer side so she started doing like tantra and contact dance you know and all the, the opposite is true i'm thinking of one conscious dance teacher from russia who came to he was all flowing and free but you know always coming in late and a bit all over the place and you know, we had him lifting weights, you know? Right. And it was like, like we work with these, you know, we don't ever dictate it. We just work with people to find the practice. And sometimes it's just about shifting the practice. So you can be like, you go to Aikido and practicing playfulness. You can be practicing discipline. You can be practicing listening. So with intentionality now, one form doesn't ideally serve all aims. This is where we have to be careful. Right. But you can, there's some possibility within a form. Um, opportunities for like intentionality and, and focus. So this is what I'm interested in because this is what I see works. Right. Like, what, I, I, what I see works for people is not reading a book. Like Wikipedia hasn't solved all the world's, pro- all the world's problems, right? Like, like I wrote a book on embodiment and it's great, but if you just read the information, that's not going to change your life. Like right. you need to do the practices. You need to take on board some of it. You need to embody it, obviously. Um, and what I see works with people is over time they practice and their being shifts and then they don't need the tricks and the two minute mindfulness tool. You know, I can teach people a one minute centering tool to relax when they've got a job interview or something. You know, I can do that. It's great. It's good to know that as embodiment teacher, the state shifting, we call them right. centering tools. And I, you know, I've got a whole chapter in the book on centering tools because it's like, I wanted to give people like some quick wins, you know, people who are like, you know, my friend, like this lover friend of mine, she's like a single mom and she's just like, I'm Mark, I'm tired. Just give me something I can use. I'm stressed. I'm busy. You know what I mean? Just give me a tool. And I'm like, no problem. Here's a tool. But what I've seen change her over the years is the practice she does. Right. You know, so, so, so like both levels are useful. Right. So um, like from your perspective, so when, when did you notice that you 
wanted to go in that kind of direction that you were developing these kinds of perspectives on embodiment on work on other people like like if you if you should describe if you are able to describe your own worldview how how would you do that how would i describe my worldview yeah um i mean i think it's should i describe my history how i got into it that might be sure like how, however you want to do it yeah i mean mm. like my own story is the story of i think where western civilization is at so it's a microcosm of a macrocosm in that I was cerebrally very smart as a kid. Top 0.01% IQ. School was so easy for me. I got in trouble because I was bored. I read every book in the library at high school, literally every book. And after reading the entire library, I was suicidal, drug addicted, miserable, and had failed in my first love relationship. Right. And actually in the book, I write a couple of stories from this time, you know, and I, and I'm, and I'm sitting there in the library, right? And I'm hungover and I'm, you know, I've got a drug come down. And I'm a kid and I know that. I'm, and I, I think to myself, if I'm so smart, why am I so messed up? Right. How old were you at that point? 16, 17. Okay. So at this point, I've got to the end of what Western civilization is, is offering in its standard model. Right. And, I'm, you know, the church isn't really offering anything, right? In terms of the modern, you know, smart kid. The church yeah. isn't really offering much. And I, I was just like, well, what else is there? I've read all the books. And then there's like, a, then I hear there's a yoga class on and I go, well, I'll give that a try. I'm pretty desperate. Okay. And I, you know, and I noticed that I felt better immediately from this yoga class. And then a year later, I'm doing Aikido at university and the, um, you know, I was actually dealing drugs at the time for money. And I was just studying the martial art to be safe because I'd moved to a big city and it was more dangerous to deal drugs there. And I started studying martial arts as a, to be a tough guy, you know, um, but what I really quickly realized was that the martial arts was giving me a new way of being that, again, I wasn't finding in the library. Uh, and, I, and I was like, hang on, I've been lied to about what uh, is important. You know, I'm from a family of teachers and that's great. And they gave me a great start, but they told me what matters was learning in books. And now, you know, I'm obviously I'm not against books. I still read, you know, listen to a lot of audio books these days. But I realized that what really cut it was practice. Um, and there's a few other experiences, just little things like failing my driving test, you know, um, or as I said, like falling in love and going, wow, this is this visceral bodily experience of love and sexuality and mysticism, which is a whole new world. And I don't have any training in this. Right. I don't have any education in this. So in integral terms, I was discovering lines of development, you know, going from the cognitive line of I'm a smart person to, oh my God, my emotional intelligence is a mess. My spiritual intelligence is low. Uh, my embodied intelligence, I wouldn't have had the word for it at the time. You know, it's non-existent. I was a head on a stick. And um, I'm just, I've just spent the rest of my life playing catch up and going, well, what else is there? You know, and right. I, I started doing a living Aikido student. And eventually, I, you know, I, this stuff took me all over the world. And I, I worked in war zones. And I worked with street kids in Brazil and Ethiopia. And I really saw that. Uh, always doing power. embodiment work. Always doing embodiment work right. through Aikido, first of all, mm. and then through other modalities when I realized that Aikido didn't have everything, right? Like we just talked about. Um, you know, I realized that I went to tango and realized I couldn't dance and would rather be around music and women with fantastic shoes than, than sweaty men hitting each other. So it's like, you know, I realized the world was bigger than Aikido, but that was my starting point. Like, you know, I practiced Aikido last night. I still practice 20 odd years later. Um, and helping people and seeing that it was powerful, whether it was with the richest people in the world or the poorest. 
Right. Uh, I'm fascinated by culture. I've taught in about 50 countries extensively in Russia and Israel, for example. And um, absolutely fascinated by how, you know, everyone has a body. So I can be with some soldiers in the Ukraine or a business person in London or a kid in Ethiopia, and they've all got a fight flight response. That's right. a human thing. And we yeah. can work with that. And they've got a cultural embodiment, but, you know, it's within the scale. And uh, in, in once you understand trauma, for example, you understand Israeli culture or Russian culture. Um, so, yeah, that's just become my obsession. And then I found ways. So, and when, when did you realize that, you, that, you, that you're good at it? I mean, not good in the, in the striving sense of the meaning, but more yeah. in the purpose sense that, that it is got something it, yeah. that, that, it, that is uh, uh, enriching your own life and that you can see purpose yeah. in it. And like when, when, when did the shift came? Like to, to this realization? I think the moment I stepped onto the Aikido mat, I felt like there was something important in it for me. And I felt like I belonged there. And I was terrible at it at first because I was super heady. I was a slow learner. Um, and there was a real sense of rightness to it. And anything else I tried, I used to like working with kids a little bit after university. I did some like adventure stuff with kids and outdoor things. It was good. But I kind of, anything Aikido related and body related just, Felt right to me. And the, What do you mean by rightness? In this See, this, this is a, a difficult one because I think the only way to get to purpose is through the body. So it's this, like, how do you know when you're with the woman you should marry or the man? You don't work it out on an Excel spreadsheet, right? Right. It's not an equation. There's a sense in the body of home, a sense of rightness. And for me, that is... Uh, there's like a radar for purpose. So there's other indicators. Like, for example, I've been working all day and I've still got energy for what I do. You know, we're, you know, it's a long day for me today and I've still got no problem. I'm still good to go. And I feel energized by it. And there's uh, other factors. Like I want to get up in the morning and I love who I'm around when I do it. But all that's bullshit, really. All the, the main thing with life purpose is like falling in love. It's this felt sense of, yeah, this is where I should be. And um, I had that. Where do you feel it? For me, it's a whole body sensation of slightly relaxing and dropping down and not wanting to be somewhere else. Um, I remember the first time I felt it even more strongly was in Cyprus. And I was, um, I remember this in the book actually. So I'm, I got involved in Aikido Peace Project. So using Aikido for peace, so it was people, Aikido from USA and Iraq and Serbia and Israel and Palestine and all these warring countries, Greece and Turkey. And I was leading these group of people across the border from the south to the north. And I'd been asked to, you know, I was one of the assistant managers and I'd been asked to sort of organize this thing. And there was a full body sense of this is exactly where I should be right now in this moment rather than the normal mild agitation of got to be somewhere else, um, which is difficult to describe. And I, I think of it more like, just like trying to explain the color purple to a blind person, right? But it, what my experience of coaching people on this is that it's like one of those radars that beeps. You can get closer to it and you go, beep, beep, right. beep, 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 and then people go, oh, yeah. So, so some of my advice from students who are looking to find more sense of purpose is I say, just do some experiments, you know, right. do some stuff and, and notice which is at least closer to that. Does that help at all? Um, sure. sure I'm, I'm wondering if, if it's just a bodily 
a sensation or is that yeah. also an alignment of emotion and cognition and higher purpose which is like uh, aligning itself and bringing everything in mm -hmm. some form of harmony or is it just body experience and just um, just body sensation <laughs> is it something that only happens in your body is it more like an alignment well now i'm integrally informed but i'm also prejudiced by my preferred way of operating so everything you just say, said i'd say was bodily so cognition is bodily our, our thinking changes depending on our bodies our emotions are bodily or else where are they you know emotions have geography right uh, spirituality is bodily or else it's just masturbation and you know that's an insult to masturbation like like for me all that stuff is bodily that's an embodied perspective that our relationships our thinking our emotions our perception this is all embodied so for me this is the substrate within all which this is happening um yeah again i'm a practical guy so i'm less thinking like what is it theoretically i'm i'm better at like coaching someone to find purpose than saying exactly what that is do you know what i mean sure no sure no no i get i i think this is a completely valid approach it just i was just interesting in how you would yeah. describe it and so you did so for you you said like all this like Uh, emotion thinking and spirituality is for you some is, is always represented in body did i get that right yeah the, well, there's at least an embodied component to that right, right? and the, what i like about the embodied component of anything is it's the most uh, imminent so it's the one you can access right so if i say hey john change your thinking that's very tricky but if i say shift your posture that's very easy right if i say hey breathe this way that's very easy Right. If I say, hey, look at the world, uh, you know, like, like uh, be, be happy. Well, how do you be happy? There's a command that doesn't make sense. Right. But if I say, well, move your body this way, breathe this way, move this way, you know, then that's, that's much more practical. So, you know, when I'm working in business, which is a lot of where I've worked, I've worked with life coaches, with yoga teachers, with business people. They're the three main groups I work with these days. So I've worked with soldiers and aid workers and all sorts of people, but the nice thing about working with business is they don't tolerate bullshit and they're like look we'll give you lots of money but we haven't got much time and we want something that works um and business people if you give them a good reason to do something and a clear set of instructions is often missing from this field clear instructions right. uh, you can give people clear instructions with the body they'll try things and they'll go oh now i feel different <laughs> like that's cool right do you think every spiritual experience is uh connected through the body i don't know much about spiritual experiences i'm not a, i'm not a guru expert on that you know like, i think the, the buddha was fairly smart in just refusing to ask any answer any questions right about mm -hmm. spirituality um i think it becomes very abstract very quickly um what i have seen though is people who don't include the body in the spiritual practice right this kind of spiritual bypassing or this kind of fake love and light spirituality that's pretty popular seems to be the result. Uh, whereas those that have that grounded embodied spirituality, there seems to be a quality there, which is more authentic, more practical and doesn't create this weird splitting. But I, do you know what I mean by that weird thing sure. that you see in spiritual communities a lot? I mean, so that's just my personal experience of what I've seen. Um, and I, I think actually a lot of spiritual communities are waking up to this, like, you know, Zen schools that have Qigong in them, for example, now, hmm. you know, as I did a couple of retreats with the Mondo Zen guys and they, you know, they take the body on board, you know, this integral Zen. Right. So I really do see uh, people waking up to this and 
really, I think there's a movement happening with the body, you know, in the same way as the 60s was a sort of a movement towards the body, maybe just the liberal side of that, you know, the express and feel side. Right. Uh, but I really see a maturation of that. And I, I really wonder if the 20s will be the embodiment decade uh, in that yoga has really done the groundwork in mainstream culture, mindfulness mm. and yoga. Hmm. Uh, and, and now people are realizing the limitations of yoga, but that's a sophisticated position, you know, to even get that. I mean, you know, compared to say 1950s Germany or England, we've right. come a long way, man, you know? Right. So I see this movement, movement happening, which is both a mainstreaming of embodiment, even if it doesn't have that name, right. um, and also a more sophisticated dialogue as movement practitioners stop being so fundamentalist and start cross-training essentially you know right. uh, and, and because they're cross-training the sort of postmodern answer is like just a mess and you'll see that in all the liberal capitals of the world but you the next solution after that is like okay how does this all integrate and this is the sort of thing we we're talking about before which i think is a more sophisticated position on it um postmodern age where we want to jump about from thing to thing and get everything sort of free and quick and cheap and easy yeah. and i think there's real beauty in uh, in not doing that and it's 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 counterculture in a way that I, I do think people get and respect you know people are, are getting that there's lots of archetypes now in the media that people are drawn to the heroic they're drawn right. to the marvel superheroes they're drawn to ninjas you know they're drawn to people that have some sort of sense of a refined skill like we love to watch sports. We love right. to watch the refined body. But I think we've confused that with the, just the athletic body. Whereas in the original Olympics, for example, it wasn't about money or even prestige. It was the sense that it was, uh, you were ennobling yourself and your competitors. Right. Um, and maybe modern sports, that's difficult. But certainly within the, you know, the embodied arts, martial arts, yoga, things like that, it's still possible despite corruptions of those arts in a Western context, you know, yeah. sometimes quite appalled by what passes for yoga, but, um, you know, there's, there's, there's still good stuff out there. So, and I, I am encouraged because I, you know, maybe I see people start off doing yoga to get a six pack or to look great. And then it's like within a few years, they're, they're realizing there's more depth to it. So right. I still have some faith left in humanity. No, of course. And no, I think like, <laughs> um, no, no, especially if you, if you refer to the sacrifice, it's one of the most, like important, I think, inventions humanity has ever had, you know, that you have to sacrifice something and that something has something to cost, you know, in order to be, yeah. to be worthwhile. And, you know, you have so many esoteric and spiritual gurus who never suffered anything, but just claimed, claimed the status. And, you know, it's like you, you, have, to, you, have, to, you have to pay in one way or the other. You, know, you have to sacrifice something. You know, yeah. you just, and so on, it's, it's, it's the same. And, and I think we have an inbuilt sense to, to recognize that, you know, mm -hmm. like to, to mm -hmm. understand um, when, when the sacrifice is done in a way. And so when, when the commitment over the years has done. So Mark, what, what's your book called? Embodiment? Yeah, it's called Embodiment, Moving Beyond Mindfulness. Right. And it's a weird book because it's, it's got four different elements to it. So I, I started off just writing a bit of theory. It was like clear introduction to the field. Like what the hell is embodiment? This book answers the question. Right. And then, you know, all these different practices and things we've talked about are in the diagrams to show it even more clearly. And there's a, there's a website, um, go to theembodimentbook.com. People can see the diagrams for free. And right. it's like a free chapter. 
But then people said to me, oh, it's a bit dry. You should add some personal qualities to it. So I added some personal stories from my war zone travels in Cyprus and trauma and healing and a bit of poetry because, you know, talking dryly about embodiment is like dancing about architecture. It's very difficult. So, but it can be evoked. So I put in some poetry in there that I'd written over the years. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, like they're the main pieces. So there's the personal, the poetic, the theoretical, and then also the practical. Right. Because there's like a whole chapter you can get free online, which is like the quick wins. Because I, I kind of realized it's like people don't want to be talked at philosophically when they're desperate or they're tired or they're stuck in traffic. Like life's hard, you know? Like give people something quick and good. Right. So I kind of like, I've been doing this for 20 years. So it's like, it was like, right, this chapter is like all the quick wins, all the things that help people really quick. Um, so I put those together. That's the book. Uh, it's pretty digestible. My A is 180 pages and they're, you know, they're pretty like easy readable books. Um, you know, this isn't like Ken Wilber's Sex, Spirit and Ecology. You know, this is something you can read on. My aim was a book you could read on the toilet. That was right. behind my aim that you could read a couple of, <laughs> you know, you could like read a chapter, take a shit and then move on, you know. Right. Um, so it's there. I have a podcast if people want to listen to some extracts of it. Um, the What's it called? Embodiment the Embodiment Podcast, podcast right? Yeah, The Embodiment Podcast. Uh, we had like 200 guests on from all different embodiment wow. fields wow. and um you know i tried to be surveying the field so the, the podcast's great the conference is great if people want to kind of free taste and you know we do courses for yogis and body yoga principles and for coaches the embodied facilitator but they're all courses but i mean i've got shitloads of free stuff out there on the internet people my wow. philosophies to kind of give what's what's the away. website called where you where people can reach you Uh, well, there's lots of websites, but if you go to The Embodiment Book, that's the main one. And you through there, you can link to either Embody Facilitator course or Embody Yoga Principles. And you, you get the book everywhere? Or? Amazon. Um, yeah, order it off Amazon. That's the easiest right. thing. Um, I think this is going to go out when we lo uh, launch right on the 28th of November. It's available from, so I'm imagining this podcast is going to go out. Um, right. then or after them so um yeah basically just order it from from amazon and give me a shout if there's any problems on on the 28th of november actually i'm going to do a sort of special offer do a load of giveaways so if you buy it on the 28th then message me through any of my websites and i'll give you a bunch of free stuff to go with it as well amazing i think um to keep to your schedule um i think now yeah. <laughs> i'm talking about it but you've got to show it it's the funny thing about doing podcasts you know it's, it's very verbose and um I no, i'm so i'm so I'm, i'm i'm so used to doing like long form things like like 90 minutes or even two hours so to get into the groove groove in a way and to to get yeah. to know somebody and you know and and so i i had to speed up this a little bit because you just told me you have not so much time no, I, i really appreciate you making time today you know and i'm running between things and I happily come back if it's a you know interesting topic and um actually felt like we've got into some juicy stuff there so um yeah thanks for your time mark thank you for your time i wish you all the best and good luck in tel aviv and enjoy the mediterranean yeah <laughs> thanks man okay. bye 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 <laughs>